seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokens and tokens And non-token lovers of liberty It is Friday, March 25th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world We made it to the weekend, ladies and gentlemen, and a beautiful weekend it is as we move into spring, and uh, it is uh, beautiful here in Scottsdale, Arizona at the headquarters of CannabisRadio.com. It's also a beautiful weekend today for the cause of liberty because we are just less than six hours away before our friend and my mentor, Chris Goldstein, ends his federal prohibition, two years weed-free, because he got caught, well, got caught. He was smoking a joint at the Liberty Bell on purpose to uh, protest for our rights, to protest to end the adult prohibition of marijuana at the federal level. And, well, the uh, federal park police didn't like it so much. They sent some cops out. They busted him. He got cited, paid like three grand, I think it was, and had to be on federal probation for two years. Well, that ends tonight at midnight Eastern time, so we are less than six hours away. Won't you join me tonight? Uh, we will be celebrating with what we're calling the Goldstein Liberty Bowl. And that's a hashtag, Goldstein Liberty Bowl. And it's Goldstein, G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N, Liberty Bowl. And it's all about uh, taking a shot of you smoking a joint in celebration of Chris getting off probation and just sticking it to the man, right? So take that shot, post it on Instagram, post on Facebook, post on Twitter, uh, and uh, tag it with that Goldstein Liberty Bowl so we can show our appreciation for someone who put his freedom where his convictions are. He stood up for us, got himself busted, stood up at the Liberty Bell. Think about the the, the irony of that, that <laughs> your liberty is lost for smoking a joint uh, in a country founded by hemp farmers at the Liberty Bell. So we'll be doing the Goldstein Liberty Bowl tonight. And I'll be doing it live tonight as a guest on the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour on 420radio.org. So if you're into heavy metal and you want to celebrate live with us on the air, that's where I'll be at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. But coming up on today's show, we've got a very interesting guest. Speaking of internet and hashtags and social media, we've got some social media experts joining us in our cannabis community chat. Russell Thompson is joining us. He's with the Doobie app, and that's uh, at doobie.co. It's a social media app for the marijuana community, and we'll ask them all about that. Also coming up on the show today in the Radical Rant, I will tell you about my Arizona shopping dilemma. It's really tough to buy milk here in uh, Arizona. We'll tell you all about that at the end of the show. Also on the show today in Drug War Data Mining, we find a new poll out from the Associated Press showing support for marijuana legalization at an all-time high, pun intended, and it's some great news. We'll break it all down for you in the Drug War Data Mines. That comes right after Behind the Headlines, where there's a new study out showing that marijuana use among teenagers might be blunting their reactions to social rejection. 
What kind of uh, implications that might hold, we'll discuss that right after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we've got Denver Normal standing up for social use. We've got Ohio certifying its medical marijuana initiative. Pennsylvania's medical marijuana bill running into some roadblocks. Florida signing an extension to medical marijuana, kind of. And Illinois taking up marijuana decriminalization once again. That and our two with more stories and your calls coming up right now on the Russ Belleville Show. Stick around. We're back in just two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com don't want to spend money on a night out but don't know what to do other than watching tv or playing video games consider playing guitar bass banjo or mandolin the instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense stop by the fingerboard extension downtown corvallis at 120 northwest second street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com you're not high You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Ken. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, March 25th, 2016. A citizen initiative ordinance to legalize private marijuana social clubs and special events was submitted today to the city of Denver. Denver Normal Executive Director Jordan Person, who is also serving as Executive Director of Responsible Use Denver, the Efforts Campaign Committee, said, quote, Submission of our proposed ordinance language for review and comment to the city council and city attorney is the first step. By law, city officials can't require changes in the ordinance, but they can comment, make suggestions for improvement, and ask questions, and so can citizens at the public hearing. The city has 10 days to respond, will consider their input, finalize the language, and then start gathering signatures to put it on the November ballot, end quote, she said. The ordinance would legalize private 21 and up marijuana social clubs and private 21 and up events where marijuana can be lawfully consumed. 
Clubs could not sell or distribute marijuana, and bars, nightclubs, and restaurants could not become private marijuana clubs or host special events. Ohio Attorney General Mike DeWine notified Ohioans for medical marijuana on Friday that he has certified the summary of the group's proposed ballot initiative to establish a comprehensive medical marijuana program and submitted it to the Ohio Secretary of State. The Attorney General confirmed the group submitted at least 1,000 valid signatures of Ohio voters and determined their initiative summary is, quote, a fair and truthful statement of the proposed law, end quote. The summary and full text of the initiative are available online at ohioansformmj.org slash initiative. The Ohio Ballot Board will now have 10 days to review the measure and confirm that it complies with Ohio initiative laws. Initiative backers will then need to collect an additional 305,591 valid signatures of Ohio voters by early July in order to qualify for the November 2016 ballot. A week after the Pennsylvania House of Representatives took a long-awaited vote to legalize medical marijuana, key backers are worried that the law's implementation could be slowed or even derailed by last-minute changes to the measure. Senate Republicans say some of the changes by the House could be so problematic that they could unnecessarily delay getting medical marijuana into patients' hands. Senator Dalen Leach, a Democrat from Montgomery, the bill's co-sponsor, said trying to again revise it could spell disaster. For instance, Leach said the House bill would require that no No marijuana dispensaries operate within 1,000 feet of a school in Philadelphia. This would make it difficult to open one in Center City, he said. Another issue is imprecise language about the regulation of marijuana growers, processors, and dispensers. The Senate bill referred to license, a word struck by the House in favor of registration. Even technical flaws could mean roadblocks to getting the system up and running properly for the patients who need it. Florida Governor Rick Scott on Friday signed a bill that will allow terminally ill patients to have access to marijuana as they try to ease suffering. The bill, which lawmakers approved this month, was one of 68 measures that Scott signed into law Friday. The bill expands a 2015 law known as the Right to Try Act to include medical marijuana. That law allows terminally ill patients to have access to experimental drugs that have not yet been approved for general use by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The bill also seeks to address problems in carrying out a 2014 cannabis law that was primarily billed as a way to help children with severe forms of epilepsy. That law was supposed to make available forms of cannabis that do not get users high, but administrative issues and legal challenges have prevented patients from getting access to the substances. The 2014 law and newly signed bill are far narrower than the medical marijuana proposal that will go on the November ballot. Another attempt to decriminalize the possession of small amounts of marijuana statewide is again in front of Illinois lawmakers, but as before, they face strong opposition from law enforcement and anti-pot advocates. The omnibus bill in the Senate also sets a standard for what's considered too high to drive and automatically purges municipal citation records for possession annually unless local governments decide against it. Legislators have proposed the threshold to be 10 grams or less and the fines to be between $100 and $200. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, March 25th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. 
industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, I want to take a look at a study, and it's something we'll bring up with Dr. Mitch on Monday's show in our Cannabis Q&A as well. But uh, it was fascinating to me. It's coming from HNGN.com is where it's reported. And the headline is Marijuana Use could dull brain reaction to rejection in young smokers. This is quite fascinating. Uh, The lead here is that the brains of young adults who smoke marijuana two to four times a week were less likely than the brains of non-tokers to react to social exclusion. Now, this is interesting. It's a study at Massachusetts General Hospital. They got 42 adults between the age of 18 and 25 from colleges in the Boston area. 20 of them were regular marijuana users between two to four times a week. The other 22 didn't use marijuana at all. And the way that they test this is they've got their brains all hooked up. They've got the little sensors on them to be able to check their brain waves and the activity and so forth. And they have the participants play this game called Cyberball. And the idea of Cyberball is that you, uh, it's like a little video game. And it's, it's basically a video game of catch you know, playing catch with this ball back and forth. And it's you and two other participants. At least you think they're two other participants. You think that they're two other people in two other rooms, you know, the other study participants that you're playing this game with, right? Where you're tossing the ball back and forth. Well, the other two participants aren't real at all. They're a computer simulation. And what's done here is the computer simulation eventually stops throwing the ball back to the human, right? The two computer players just keep passing it between each other. And then eventually they 
relent and finally pass it back to the human. And the time when the ball is not being passed, that's supposed to mimic social exclusion. And so they measure the brain waves of these participants. And what they found out, and they're checking three different areas. They're doing MR scans here. And they're checking three areas of the brain that are tied to social exclusion. You know, when people feel excluded, those are called the anterior insula, the ventral anterior cingulate cortex or VAC and the orbitofrontal cortex or the OFC. So we got the insula, the VAC and the OFC, these three areas of the brain that are related to social exclusion. And what they found is in the non-marijuana users, the VAC and the insula lit up when they were excluded for the marijuana users, only the VAC lit up, the insula didn't light up and the OFC didn't light up for anybody. Right? So there was like two areas of the brain lighting up for the people that weren't tokers. There was only one area of the brain lighting up for the people who were tokers. So what does this mean? It's a interesting finding, but what does it mean? And, and it kind of leads to where we find the use of marijuana is most prevalent at the ages between 18 and 25. And you think about how that's the age in our society when you're leaving high school and a group that you've been with for a long time and and formed bonds with, you're moving into the college age or you're moving into the workplace or you're moving into a marriage situation and starting a family. And the feelings of exclusion that you can feel when you're a new person in a, in a college or a new person in a job, perhaps that's what attracts young people to marijuana is this wanting to relieve those intense first time feelings of being socially rejected as an adult. And maybe it also explains why marijuana use tends to decrease as we hit our thirties or forties for most people, statistically speaking, not me, obviously, but for most people that tends to decrease because maybe as people age, they become more mature, more able to handle the ups and downs in life. And, and the occasional bit of social exclusion isn't as painful anymore. It'll be interesting to talk about this with Dr. Mitch. Uh, the researchers here said, quote, we, while we know that peer groups are one of the most important predictors of marijuana use in young adults, we know very little about the neural correlates of social rejection in those who use marijuana. The unexpected reduction in insula response may indicate that marijuana users are less conscious of social norms or have a reduced ability to reflect on negative social situations. But we are currently unable to determine whether these differences in neural processing are a cause or a result of marijuana use, end quote. And that's an important disclaimer. Whenever we're finding these things, we are finding correlations. We're not finding causation. We don't know that they were people whose both, both of those areas of the brains would have lit up anyway, and then they smoked pot and smoking the pot caused the one area not to light up. Or are we finding out that people whose one part of the brain don't light up in the first place tend to be people that go on to smoke pot? It, you don't know if it's, it's like a chicken, the egg, chicken and the egg dilemma. You don't know which came first there. But this is an interesting study. Uh, the uh, M- Massachusetts General Hospital. Uh, this is uh, available on hngn.com, and it's being published in the Biological Psychiatry, Cognitive Neuroscience, and Neuroimaging uh, Journal. And there's also um, other studies that tend to back this up. There was a previous study in clinical psychological science that 
found that people who reported long-term frequent use of marijuana uh, were also more likely to have problems later in life. Hey, you in my class? I am today. We covered that study uh, on a previous episode of the show. And of course, I mentioned how, that again, that's a correlation and you can't tell uh, how much the prohibition of marijuana causes the lower outcomes in life for the regular smoker. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, great news from the latest Associated Press poll on the popularity of legalizing marijuana nationwide. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol... Most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at a story coming from the Washington Post that explains how support for marijuana legalization has hit an all-time high. Uh, written by, in the Wonk blog by Christopher Ingraham, and I'd encourage all of you to follow him on Twitter, at underscore C Ingraham. But uh, his Wonk blog has been a marvelous source of information that uh, debunks the reefer madness about uh, marijuana. And it reports how a new survey released today by the Associated Press and the University of Chicago found that 61% of 
of Americans nationwide say they support marijuana legalization. Now, the question asked is exactly the same question that they ask on the Gallup poll. Do you think the use of marijuana should be made legal or not? And in that previous Gallup poll, that was last October, that was a 58% support. So we have risen three more points in support nationwide as they continue to review what's happened in Colorado, what's happened in Washington, Oregon, and Alaska, and discovered that you legalize marijuana and the sky doesn't fall. Now, there's an interesting follow-up in this question on legalization. Of those 61% who said that they support marijuana legalization, 24% of them said that marijuana should be made available only with a medical prescription. Now, I won't get into prescription versus recommendation, but you know what they mean. They just mean only medical marijuana. Another 43% said there should be restrictions on purchase amounts, and about a third said there should be no restrictions, you know, complete legalization on purchase amounts. Well, 24% of 61, uh, let's see, a quarter of 60 is 15, isn't it? So 61 minus 15 would be at uh, 51, be about 45% of the people overall supporting legalization and another 15 on top of that for medical. And uh, this is of course, much more popular among Democrats, 70% support. Independents have a 65% support. But here's the number that blows me away. Nearly, it's 47%. We're creeping up on half here of Republican voters are supporting legalization at this point. It's also a question of age. Uh, in the 18 to 29 demographic, your millennial demographic, 82% support legalization. People over 60, it's only 44%. This is great news, of course, because the United Nations General Assembly is meeting next month in New York around the 420 holiday uh, to discuss. They're not doing it on that day on purpose, folks. <laughs> they're meeting to discuss the new strategies uh, in the global uh, campaign on drugs. Their last general session in 1998 was the goal of a drug-free world. And it seems like they've come to their senses 18 years later and recognize, no, the goal should be a decriminalized world. There is a study that's come out in the Lancet, uh, the British medical journal that has, uh, also called upon decriminalization and regulation of all drug markets, not just the marijuana markets, because the evidence shows there's far less harm from regulation than from prohibition. So things are looking good as far as the uh, polls go. And as we uh, as we uh, aggregate these polls, I've been collecting these polls going all the way back to 1969. It's interesting to see how the American people's viewpoint on marijuana legalization has evolved right now in the 21st century. That would be since 2001, we've had 67 polls on marijuana legalization from organizations like Gallup, the Pew center, CNN, general social survey, CBS news, ABC news, Washington post survey, USA newsweek, and so forth. I've been collecting a lot of them. And of those 67 polls over 50 or 27% or 27 of them. I'm all flustered. Excuse me. 27 of them are over 50% support. 27 of the polls over 57% support. And you can't find a poll in the past year that isn't majority support. 
from 2015 on. Uh, in 2015, we had the General Social Survey come out with a 52. Pew Center came out with a 53. Fox came out with a 51. Gallup came out with that 58%. Benenson Strategy Group came out with a 61. This isn't the first 61% we've had, uh, this AP report. And then, of course, the new AP report with 61. We have to go back to a CBS News poll in May of 2014 to find less than 50% support for marijuana legalization. And that was a 48-47. So it's still a plurality support. We don't find a poll where people seriously uh, disagree with marijuana legalization until we go all the way back to 2013. There was a December poll from the Associated Press uh, that showed 36% support and 29% opposed. So there's a a big question question mark in the gap in those numbers that uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Prior to that, the last time we could find a poll where more people disagreed with legalization than agreed with it goes back to a Fox News poll in February of 2013 with a 49% against legalization, 46% for legalization. The average of the polls going back to that 2013 poll comes up to 52%. We are clearly winning this battle for the hearts and minds of the American people in understanding that marijuana is safer than alcohol, that drug dealers don't check IDs, that taxing and regulating cannabis is a benefit to society, a benefit to the consumers, a benefit to us all. Fortunately, we will see this benefit being passed on to many more people after this 2016 election, with legalization happening in California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and we hope Maine will get back on the ballot. Stay tuned. We're back with Russell Thompson from the Doobie app when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. Presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belleville Show, or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that, too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. 
Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our cannabis community chat. Welcome back, everybody, to the chat. It's 32 after the hour. We're joined by Russell Thomas from Doobie, D-U-B-Y. And Russell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good to How talk. You doing, to, Russell? Uh, nice to talk to another Russ. I was just going to say that. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, where are we talking to you? Where are you located? In Denver, Colorado. Oh, how how lucky for you. So uh, waiting on uh, another great day in Denver, sitting there in legalized Colorado. I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona, wishing I was there. So, uh, Russell, let's talk about this Doobie app, uh, D-U-B-Y dot C-O. If people listening online want to you know, pull that up on the browser and kind of follow along. But give folks an idea what Doobie is. Uh, yes, it's really not even a, a website. I mean, it is, uh, but it's an app. Uh, but before we go that far, somebody else who's uh, right near you, I believe it's also connected, which is my CEO, Alec Rochford. Are you there, Alec? Did we pull him into this? Oh, uh, I don't have Alec on the line. Let's see if we can get him. Oh, I, thought, I thought we had. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, we were going to pull him in, too. But uh, yeah, see if you can. Do you have uh, him? Yes, I will do my best on that. Go ahead. Okay, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great out here. Um, uh, other than the massive blizzard we just had that hit us. Now, uh, this uh, the Doobie app, if you could just tell people a little bit about it's a social networking type of app, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah, it's an app. It's, on, uh, it's available on Apple and it's available on Android. Uh, it's a social network, but it's really more about uh, spreading the message anonymously, being able to connect to each other. And pass a doobie, which is your message. Uh, it's uh, it's either a picture, a video, a text, or even a private message, right? So you're sending that, and you're literally passing it to others near you without necessarily having to know who they are. But you can connect when you see other people's uh, images on your landing page and videos, and it's a great way to find people and feel safe doing it while we're transitioning right now uh, to a you know a legalized world. Now, this app sounds uh, a little bit like uh, a, a Facebook, in a sense, where you're posting messages, you're sharing with friends and so forth, uh, pictures and all of that. Is, is it kind of like a, a Snapchat for marijuana, something like that? Yeah, people have, have called it you know, a Snapchat, they've called it an Instagram, they've called it a Tinder. Uh, we kind of took a lot of aspects of a lot of popular apps when we were building it. Um, and uh, really the idea was the algorithm behind it. Um, and, uh, and then how people interacted with it was something that we studied through uh, uh, just getting test groups of people, uh, people specifically you know, within our market and saying, uh, what do you like, what do you not like? Uh, but behind the scenes, you know, the brand and the idea of passing something anonymously so that you feel safe was uh, was connected with immediately. And that's that's just where we, we took it from the beginning. And and now uh, we're growing well. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's going to be a huge benefit to people who are still in prohibition states or they just don't want their family or their uh, work coworkers to know what's going on on their social level. You can use Doobie, your new smoke spot. You can pass your Doobies that way. It's available on I, uh, iPhones and on Androids. And if you go to duby.co, that's kind of their launch page and you can get your uh, uh, downloads from there. So uh, what is the uh, user base looking like now? How many people are on the uh, platform? 
Uh, we've got a little over 50,000, um, and purposely we haven't grown that quickly uh, because we've been fine-tuning it and, and making it perfect. And uh, most recently, uh, we, we advanced it a little bit, and we're about uh, ready to kind of open it up for the world and, and show people what we have because we can, we can handle the growth. Uh, when you have a social network, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, quite a load on the, on the back-end systems. It's a lot of information to deal with at once. You know, it's, it's interesting to me, all of the different uh, ancillary products that are evolving here in the newly legalized world, uh, thing, things like the Doobie app that aren't, a, you know, they aren't the buying and selling and growing of marijuana, but they exist a lot because of that. What brought you into this space, into this, uh, into this world that made you this, uh, uh, this proponent of the Doobie app? What's your background on this? It's actually my son. I mean, I've been a smoker all my life, but... Uh, my son, I found out a few years back, uh, had fragile X syndrome. Uh, he's just a baby. Uh, and what that is, is, uh, it's a form of mental retardation. It's, uh, it's where your DNA kind of gets corrupted. Uh, so that, that sort of changed everything because it was much like autism. Uh, and I started doing research and, and that and, uh, the effects of cannabis. And, uh, we were the first really to try it at such a young age, cannabis with fragile X. And it's had, uh, amazing benefits for my son. I mean, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't eat anything uh, that uh, even a grain of rice would make him throw up. Wow. And just days after cannabis, that stopped. Uh, it was amazing. And it, it just, it tears me up to talk yeah, about it. But, yeah, yeah. It, it's, you but know, yeah, what? myself, uh, you know, I really, uh, I want to get the message out that, uh, you know, this is, this really is medicine. I mean, it's a lot of fun too. I smoke every day. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's very much medicine and it's a wonderful thing. That that's uh, you know very compelling, and I've heard uh, I've interviewed many parents who found these uh, miraculous results from using cannabis for their kids. Uh, but as someone who had come at this as a recreational consumer, someone for whom it was a, a bit of fun, was it was there any trepidation in trying it on your child? Was there any backlash from family or friends or anything? Uh, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, and family and friends, and but we talked about it and we all discussed it and we realized there's, you know, there's a little other choices and the other stuff that they were putting in these kids, you know, it's, it's got side effects. Uh, the synthetics, as I call them, uh, this was, Hey, look guys, we have enough research. We're here in Denver, Colorado. We see this, let's, this is harmless. And everybody knew it and they supported it actually in my family. I mean, it, initially it was a shock, but Nobody said that's going to harm me. Said nobody dies from this. Are you kidding me? This is let's try. And so they're all willing to to try. And that was a that was a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad that you were able to take advantage of that and that you're in a state uh, where that is possible. I, I tell the story so many times of these parents with epileptic kids or autistic kids that have to uproot and move all the way across country just to just to save their kid. And and that to me sounds like part of what this doobie app is about is you know spreading the message spreading the word letting people share their stories anonymously and there's no doubt that this has been a huge catalyst uh, just in general people even talking on facebook or by email has been a huge catalyst to this uh, medical marijuana movement so is there within the doobie app different um, I, don't, I don't want to call it partitions but categories like for medical users or for people with kids or for different types of users no, it's actually much more simple than that. And it's people, because you're, you're choosing to pass something that was already passed to you or not, you're basically self-regulating. So the, the network, what lands on your landing page is typically uh, good content, what everybody in general kind of agrees with, right? 
Um, so it's kind of nice to see that. And you don't really need those, those groups. Um, you start to find them by making connections with people in the app, of course, but uh, find it unnecessary with the way that we transmit information. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. It sounds uh, more like instead of a, a, a top-down hierarchical sort of system, more like an organic uh, group that will automatically build based on your likes and, and who you're interacting with. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's the idea. And that's, that's where the anonymity comes in because we, you, know, you can provide all you want. I mean, if you want to have a picture of your face and you want to have your name, uh, certainly you can. But, uh, but you can also choose just to have a, a, you know, a picture of nothing. And, and you come in by default uh, just being another user, right? And that's great because you can connect with people without giving out a lot of information. And that makes people feel safe and comfortable right now. Now, uh, the app is available for download by going to duby.co. Make sure you get it's a .co. It's not a .com. It's .co. Uh, the Twitter handle is uh, dubytweets, so you can follow them out there on Twitter if you want to know more. And, of course, uh, the Doobie app's not the only one out there trying to be a social media, social network for cannabis consumers. Can you, can you tell us how, uh, you know, especially if you've got a phone that's limited in how much you can download, why they should be downloading Doobie rather Rather than one of the other uh, competitors, uh, they should be downloading Doobie because it, it's it is safer and it's a at the same time a tighter community uh, where we've got uh, we've got the ability to make connections and and communicate with those people uh, specifically and then start to build groups uh, uh, where uh, th- this is your local community by the way um, and some people say it's great for dating too uh, it's it's just good for connecting with people around you and seeing how cannabis is being used now in legal markets and not and around the world and how it's changing um how the legalization movement is, is really carrying forward every day i mean i've watched it change dramatically just uh in the in the year that we've had it from the kind of content that we've had depending on uh what's going on within the world so it's really reflective um and it's immediately reflective with trends and i think that's unique and that's that's the true difference uh, of this app over uh just about any social network frankly is the way that it can do this with with Without requiring much behind it, uh, Facebook wants your you know your uh, firstborn child and what books you like. Well, <laughs> we never need that. Well, I'll be downloading the Doobie app today and uh, setting up my Radical Russ account there. So I encourage listeners out there download doobie.co is the uh, is the landing page that'll get you to the links for either your iPhone or your Android, and uh, we'll be passing Doobies uh, Radical Russ from me to you and you to me and. Let's make this thing happen. Uh, do you have any sort of, um, I don't know, analytics on the platform as far as uh, geographical distribution? Like, are, are you are tending to get more people from legal states uh, and, and from prohibition states? Where are people's interests lying? Yeah, interesting question. Yeah, because I, I love the data, right? Um, and we're around the world. Uh, we actually do very well in Brazil, oh. um, <laughs> and, and which, is, which is great. Uh, but you also see across America, it's actually not the typical locations that you see. It is the other states, and it is people curious about what's going on. Um, and, uh, and that's nice. It, it is just a, a freedom of information after all, right? Um, so you get a, an interesting spread of, of where it's popular. Um, and it's not necessarily always the legal states. And, uh, uh, but that's, that's okay, right? Uh, this is exactly what we need for people to realize that this is, uh, this is a normal thing, whether for recreation or for medical use. Hmm. Uh, cannabis is, is very much uh, becoming common. I, I tell people to come here from out of state. Our culture changed overnight. 
um, you know, it's uh, the boardroom change. People talk about it now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's the soccer moms uh, that have vape pens and everybody's vaping uh, at a wedding now. It's, it's, it's not as much drinking. It's, it's actually <laughs> watch. Um, and you see it normalized very, very quickly. And so the app is a reflection of that normalization of culture around cannabis and where it should have been this whole time. It should have never been uh, illegal. It, it's it's almost crazy to think about it uh, now that we've had this much time to normalize it. Um, and that's at least standing where I am. Uh, but Doobie is really helping to spread that message and show other people that, you know, this is not some crazy whacked out drug that, you know, makes you, you know, jump off a building. No, yeah. that was, that, that was hype for too, too long. Uh, this is medicine and this is, uh, this is a wonderful plan. Um, so Russell, Russell Thomas with Doobie, uh, before we go, are there any, uh, fees or, uh, memberships that are required here? Is this a free app or what does it cost? absolutely free it will always be free to the consumer eventually we'll monetize we'll have businesses those kind of things actually businesses do very well in the app right now and we don't charge the businesses either so everybody's free to distribute content and other people will vote whether they like that or not that that determines really what's seen all right folks check it out doobie.co i'll see you there online in a couple of hours thanks so much russell for joining us and uh, good luck thank you russ bye-bye all right stay tuned folks we got a radical rant coming up This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old mountain smells. And it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on. CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. 
that marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Dang it. I'm out of milk. I discovered this last night. I was out of milk. God, I really wanted a bowl of cereal, and I was just, I was out of milk. So, you know. Easy enough problem to solve, right? Just uh, get off my ass, go to the corner store, and buy some milk. But there's a complication. I'm not back home in Portland where there are convenience stores full of milk within walking distance of most neighborhoods. You know me, I don't own a car, so i got to walk to go get milk. I'm in this strange little town in Arizona, and not only is there no, no corner store within walking distance, but this place doesn't even sell milk. Well, they won't sell milk to you unless a doctor certifies that you're calcium deficient, like if you got osteoporosis or something. <laughs> Weird, huh? Well, never fear, though. I, I am one of those lucky few people who happens to know a friend here in Arizona who knows a guy in this backwards Arizona town who has a cow. But, but I have to be careful because i got some weird laws here in Arizona. If I get caught trying to buy some milk from some guy who got it from some guy who owns a cow, I could be in some serious trouble here. Not only could the cops arrest and jail me over that milk, they could even take my stuff, even if they don't arrest me for the milk. (laughs) So I call my friend, but see, when I call him, I have to use code words because sometimes cops are listening in or recording conversations to try to catch people who are trying to buy and sell milk. So, you know, I don't want to get in trouble, so I got to come up with some code words. So I call him, I'm like, hey, hey, man, it's me. Do you know if anybody's got any um, vanilla frosting? <laughs> so my friend says, sure, come on over. And uh, that's all I have to go on, folks, is uh, come on over. I don't know what I'm going to get milk-wise. I don't know if it's raw milk. I don't know if it's fat-free milk, 1% milk, 2% milk. Could be whole milk. Could be half and half. Could be cream. Could be buttermilk. Hell, it might be chocolate milk. I don't know. But it really doesn't matter much because I need milk and don't have a whole lot of choices. So I borrow a friend's car, and I drive to the bank, and I get cash out of the ATM. And and that's necessary because – You know, my friend can't give the guy who owns the cow a check or a debit card or anything. Cash only, man. So got to stop at the ATM. And so I make the drive across town and I spend about 45 minutes in rush hour traffic. You know, it's not like I could make the trip at a more convenient time because, well, you know, the guy who owns the cow goes to bed early. After all, he's got to be up at four in the morning to milk the cow. So I pick up my friend. And he gives me the directions to find a guy with a cow. And I give him the 20s that I pulled out of the ATM. (laughs) Yeah, folks, milk is really that expensive here. You have to pull out 20s from the ATM to get it. So my friend directs me around, takes me to this shady part of town. And uh, we get to this guy's place, kind of a rundown place. uh, Knock on the door and he answers. And he's you know wearing some dirty sweatpants and a ratty old t-shirt. This house is kind of a mess, and it got some weird smell. 
And my friend and this guy, they just start into some conversation, and I'm just kind of just sitting there on a bad couch, just like a bump on a log, waiting. I, I just want to buy some milk, for God's sake. And my friend says, dude, how's your band doing? And, and the guy says, oh, man, you got to hear this track that we just laid down for our demo. And the next thing you know, they're pushing some buttons on the stereo, and I'm listening to some really loud, really bad garage band noise. And while we're sitting there, the, uh, the guy turns to me and says, hey, you want some? And, he, and he's holding out like this little paper Dixie cup. And it's like the first thing he said to me the whole time we're there, right? And uh, the Dixie cup's got some milk in it, right? Okay, well, I'm kind of thirsty, and it, I guess it would be nice to know what kind of milk I am buying. So I take a sip of the Dixie cup milk, and well, that's not great milk. But it's not bad milk. It's just milk. So uh, thanks, I say. And I hand the paper cup over to my friend so he can have a sip. And so I'm sitting there. And after a, a few more excruciating minutes of this garage band noise and the guy, his three cats jumping all over my lap and invading my personal space, my friend and the guy, they finally retreat into some other room. And when they come back, uh, we sit there for a few more minutes, uh, sipping some more milk. And eventually my friend turns the conversation towards saying goodbye. We finally get out of there. And as we leave the guy's house, we get back into the car. Uh, my friend turns to me, says, here you go. And he hands me this canteen filled with milk. It's not like a milk carton <laughs> or a milk bottle. It's not labeled in any way. And, you know, I smell it. It seems to be good. It seems to be the same milk that, we were just sipping back at the house, but I don't know. It could be. I don't know where it came from. Uh, this cow, I don't know if it's been treated with hormones or GMOs or antibiotics or anything like that. I don't know that he's properly pasteurized this milk. Um, hell, it might not even really be cow's milk. It might be goat's milk for all I know. But anyway, it's milk, so I've got it, and there we go. And yeah, the canteen does seem a little light doesn't seem like it's really a full quart of milk that I paid for. And it's some of the most expensive milk I've ever purchased. But, you know, I needed milk. And so now I got milk. I drive my friend back home uh, across town. And as he's getting out of the car, he says, yeah, dude, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I've had any milk. Uh, you know, could you do me a favor and pour me a small cup of milk off the canteen, you know, so I could have some? I was like, well, you know, the guy did me a favor by hooking me up with the guy who owns a cow. So, you know, sure. Yeah, I let him take a little bit more of the milk from my already short canteen. And I drive back across town again, a little less traffic this time. And along the drive, uh, as I stopped at a stoplight, uh, an Arizona state trooper <laughs> ended up behind me and uh, freaked me out. I'm, I'm like, is he following me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Is he tracking people that are going to the guy's house who's got the cow? I mean, I'm checking the rearview mirror, looking at myself. Do I have a milk mustache? Is there any milk on my face? Oh, my God, you know. And I'm really feeling nervous. And we take off from the stoplight, and eventually that trooper just goes around me, and he's got business elsewhere. That didn't stop me from nearly having a heart attack. So I'm finally relieved after he drives by. I make my way across town, and I park at the place I'm staying in Arizona. Once I get inside, uh, one of the roommates there uh, sees that I brought home some milk. I got a little container of milk. And so he says, hey, hey, man, you know, uh, 
you know, I, I'm going to go visit my friend who's got some milk tomorrow, but you know, like I'm completely out of milk right now. And you know, could you do me a solid and, you know, just let me get just a little bit of milk for me tonight, like a little cup of milk. I mean, I, I swear I'll, I'll get you back tomorrow. <sighs> well, you know, getting milk here is kind of a pain in the ass for everyone. So I empathize. I pour some milk into a cup for my roommate and he drinks it down. Thanks, man. And heads off to bed. So finally, after two hours of driving around town, listening to garage band music and getting shorted on how much milk is in the canteen and what kind of, I don't know what kind of milk it is, whether it's been pasteurized, how long it's been sitting there. I have no idea, but finally, finally, after all that, I finally get to sit down and pour that milk on my cereal and get to enjoy a nice glass of milk. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Did I say milk? (laughs) I meant marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, that's the story that so many of us can tell day after day trying to get marijuana. And I really didn't appreciate how truly unnecessary and frustrating and terrifying this prohibition on marijuana is until I've been living for months, years now in Oregon within walking distance of multiple shops where I can just walk in and buy marijuana like I'd buy a quart of milk. And then to have to come back and try to score weed on the black market, it just really highlights how absurd the whole situation is. And I'm hoping with this radical rant that I've posted on High Times about shopping for milk that maybe that switches some people's frames a little bit and they start to understand how absurd this is and Try to imagine what it would be like trying to buy your favorite product, whether it's milk or cigarettes or beer or gummy bears or whatever it might be, if it were prohibited. And I did have someone in the comment section <laughs> mention that it was a stupid analogy because milk is, is legal and, and marijuana is illegal. Well, it's not completely far off. There are laws in some states against the buying and selling of raw milk. So it's not completely far off, but that's not the point. The point is that we have arbitrarily decided that marijuana is one of these goods that should be prohibited. In a, in a society where we have access to alcohol and tobacco as completely unregulated drugs, there is no reasonable, logical foundation for preventing us from using the cannabis plant in any way we choose. Over 7,000 years of recorded human history using this. Over 4,700 years of documented medical uses. And zero overdose deaths. 61% of the American people have now agreed that marijuana ought to be legal. And we're going to be here every weekday on CannabisRadio.com until that's true. Stay tuned, folks. Hour two is coming up next. And then after hour two, at the top of the five o'clock hour Pacific time, we got Stoner Jesus joining us live. And don't forget, at uh, 9 p.m. Pacific time, I'll be on 420radio.org with Herb Thrasher celebrating the Goldstein Liberty Bowl. Find out more at hashtag Goldstein Liberty Bowl. For everyone here at Cannabis Radio Headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Tokers and Tokets and non-Tokers of Lemony, we made it to the weekend. It is Friday, March 25th. It's beautiful here in Scottsdale, Arizona. The sun is shining, the sky is blue, the temperatures are in the, I think, the low 80s right now. This will be my last show coming to you from Scottsdale, at least for this month. I will be in Las Vegas, Nevada starting tomorrow, and Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we will have live shows from Las Vegas. We may even be coming to you as a live remote from the first medical marijuana dispensary on the Las Vegas Strip. Cross your fingers. We're still working out the details, but I may be coming to you from a dispensary on the Las Vegas Strip. That'll be a lot of fun. So follow me at Radical Russ. Follow the show at RB Show 420 if you want to keep up on all of that. Yes. Uh, also, that means next Thursday, uh, we will actually not be on the air. Next Thursday, I'll be flying uh, back from Las Vegas to Portland, and I'll stay in Portland for the first couple of weeks of April. Got all sorts of cool events coming up, including April 13th, Blazers versus Nuggets, or Blazers versus Nugs, or Blazing the Nugs, whatever you want to call it, uh, happening at the Moda Center. We'll be uh, participating with 420 Sports, I believe. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Seattle uh, Super Chronics is who we'll be participating with, so I got to make sure I get that straight. So we'll keep track of all that for you, and we'll be having all sorts of great guests as we come to you from Portland, Oregon. 
All right, I wanted to discuss a little bit of politics here in hour two because Hillary Clinton was on the Jimmy Kimmel program the other night. And uh, just as she had been on, um, or, or Bernie Sanders, excuse me, had been on Kimmel's program recently. And uh, Bernie, of course, was in was in uh, Portland, Oregon today, where he drew a crowd at the Moda Center, estimated in the tens of thousands, as usual. And uh, once again, the uh, mainstream media not talking very much about that, not uh, giving it much attention as they continue to believe that uh, she's inevitable. There's also uh, some talk that she, or on the Kimmel show, she talked a bit about marijuana and her belief that it shouldn't be federally uh, decriminalized at this point. In the, um, in the piece, uh, in the piece, Jimmy Kimmel asks about uh, marijuana and she says she does not support decriminalizing the drug at the federal level. She says, quote, I absolutely support all the states that are moving toward medical marijuana, moving toward absolutely legalizing it for recreational use. But I want to see what the states learn from that experience. There are still a lot of questions we have to answer at the federal level. Well, no, there's not really a lot of questions we have left to answer at the federal level, aside from getting the federal government out of the way to allow these states to move forward on legalization. Hillary Clinton's position of let's wait and see how the states do automatically is a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom for those states if they're not allowed to access banking services, if they're continuing to be penalized by IRS 280E, and if the continued federal prohibition of marijuana restricts their natural growth from investment investment and distribution nationwide. So yeah, let's see how legalization works out in the states, but let's make sure it's as handicapped as possible by the feds to ensure that it doesn't work, and then she can come back later and say, see, we really shouldn't have legalized. I'm feeling the burn. Only Bernie Sanders wants to de-schedule marijuana. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer. 
or email firedublawyer at gmail.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. They pay me to say that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is 8 after the hour, and uh, I'm going to go back to the political arena where things are heating up in the race on both sides, the Democrats and the Republicans. This Saturday, there are caucuses and primaries in Alaska, Hawaii, and Washington State. Widely believed Bernie Sanders will clean up in all of those states. That is, if Hillary Clinton's dirty tricks <laughs> don't uh, make that impossible. There's a lot of discussion here in Arizona. I've been here for this this week in Arizona, and a lot of discussion in their newspapers and among their uh, political web pages about voter suppression in the state of Arizona. Now, the way this works, Arizona is a state where you can also early vote by mail. Right, So there's early voting and there's day of poll type voting. In Maricopa County, when they used to have something like 200 polling places the last election around, this time, this is on the Democratic side, this time they had only 60. They had people here in Arizona standing out in the 80s, uh, 80 degree heat for five hours waiting to vote. We had people that didn't get their vote in until after midnight on election day. So right there, you have a situation which is a tried and true from the Republican playbook because Republicans know when voter turnout is low, they tend to win. Here's a uh, right out of the Republican playbook to suppress voters from showing up. Now, why would that work in Hillary Clinton's favor, you might think? Well, it goes back to those early mail-in voters. Early mail-in voters tend to be older voters, and the older voters tend to support Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton can build up this big lead with the older voters on mail-in votes. And then while the people are in line, unable to get their votes in, more of them will just give up because they got to get back to work or they can't stand there all day. Those, those voters are more likely to be Bernie Sanders supporters, being the younger voters who tend to show up, if at all, tend to show up on voting day, election day. And consider that the people that were standing in line, many of those people standing in line for hours, one minute after 8 o'clock here when the polls closed, although many people were still standing in line for another five hours, one minute with 1% of the vote in, the national media calls Arizona for Hillary Clinton. So again, this is built up on that huge lead that she builds up with the mail-in voters. But as soon as that win is announced and people start seeing it in their Twitter and Facebook feeds and they're standing in line for three hours and they were going to vote for Bernie Sanders, perhaps they realize, well, it's already called. What's the point? 
Might as well just go home. So it's a bit of voter shenanigans that are going on in Arizona. We have heard about the voter shenanigans that have been going on in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts, there are calls for a a prosecution, investigation and prosecution of former President Bill Clinton for his role in standing outside of polling places in Boston with a megaphone saying hi and encouraging people to vote for Hillary when Massachusetts election law forbids anyone from electioneering within 150 feet of a polling place. That's, I mean, this is a lot of states have this, right? When you go to the polling place, you can't wear your Bernie t-shirt or your, you know, buttons or whatever. You can't be campaigning out front, right? But there's Bill Clinton, who just in being Bill Clinton is a walking campaign ad for Hillary Clinton, openly electioneering in front of Massachusetts polling places. And because of his Secret Service entourage and all the security requirements, delaying and suppressing the vote once again in a state, Massachusetts, where Hillary Clinton only won by the slimmest of margins. And now I'm reading reports on Reddit from Democrats in Washington state who are reporting all sorts of shenanigans that are going on there with respect to Hillary Clinton's campaign, sending out mailers to certain registered Democrats telling them where and when they have to go caucus that are incorrect locations, telling them to show up at the wrong place. And folks, if you know the traffic in Seattle, If you end up having to drive across that traffic and end up at the wrong place and have to drive back across the traffic to get to the right place, that's going to suppress a lot of votes too. So it's becoming clear to me that between these efforts at suppressing the vote in these larger states that Hillary Clinton must win and the sandbagging of the debate schedule by Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Democratic National Committee to ensure that as few voters would hear Bernie's message as possible – just points to me to a democratic establishment that is acting against democracy. And we see it in these rallies time after time after time. We see photo after photo of Bernie Sanders rallies in these huge arenas with 10,000, 20,000, even 30,000 people showing up, people standing in miles long lines just to get a chance to listen to his message. You don't see that from Hillary Clinton's campaign. You don't see that on her side. You see her in front of some carefully scripted rallies, where you have to spend $2,700 just to get in. It's clear to me that in the cannabis community, we need to be supporting Bernie Sanders with everything we've got. And don't think that it's over yet, folks. Latest national poll that came out from Bloomberg showed nationwide among Democrats, 49% preferred Bernie Sanders to the 48% who preferred Hillary Clinton. The more people know, the more people hear, the more people realize that this is a time for change. This is a change election. This is a rejection of the establishment. This is why I reject that whole, oh, you got to vote for Hillary because you can't have Trump. I reject the lesser of two evils because the evil itself is the system. The question here of whether or not the lesser evil runs the evil system is moot to me at this point. If we do not do something about campaign finance, and income inequality in this country, all the other issues won't even matter. Climate change, you're worried about climate change? How are you going to get that through a Congress that's owned by big oil? Oh, you're you're worried about privacy? How are you going to get that through the Congress when it's owned by the telecom companies? Any change that we want to have happen is going to require some sort of revolutionary thinking. 
And that's why I'm excited about the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign. So feel the burn, folks. It ain't over until it's over. Now, on the other side of the aisle, on the other side of the aisle, we're getting some really interesting stuff happening now as the National Enquirer has dropped a bombshell about Rafael Eduardo Cruz. You may know him as Ted Cruz, but since Republicans for eight years decided that President Obama had to be called Barack Hussein Obama at every shot, Barack Hussein Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, then I'm going to call him Rafael Eduardo Cruz, because that's his name, Canadian-born Cuban running for president. And uh, the bombshell in in the National Enquirer accuses Ted Cruz of having sexual relations with five women, various women associated with uh, his campaign, five different mistresses, big Cruz sex scandal. And uh, Donald Trump had been uh, hinting at this, saying he was going to, you know, there's big news out there about him, right? But to me, this whole Ted Cruz sex scandal, the best thing about it is encapsulated in one quote by Ted Cruz. And let me give you the quote. I've got to prepare myself because this is a good one. Here it is. Well, let me be clear. Donald Trump may be a rat, but I have no desire to copulate with him. (laughs) I'm not making it up, folks. That's the quote. Donald Trump may be a rat, but I have no desire to copulate with him. (laughs) So if you were wondering, would Ted Cruz fuck Donald Trump? No. By God, no. That's out of the question. There are some jobs that only immigrants will do. <laughs> Melania Trump, uh, Ivanka, <laughs> uh, Marla Maples, right? Um, anyway, okay, so what this is about, let me, let me give you the context because that's, that's a little unfair of me. Ted Cruz is alleging that the whole National Enquirer sex scandal Ted Cruz story has been orchestrated by Roger Stone. Roger Stone is Donald Trump's chief political advisor. So Cruz is noting how Roger Stone is a hatchet man. He's been in the political biz for 50 years, and he's known for his dirty tricks. And there was actually a term coined about Roger Stone, and the term was he's a rat fucker. (laughs) That's the term, rat fucker. And the, the verb was to rat fuck, right? To to play dirty tricks, dirty political tricks on a political opponent is to rat fuck them. And it was invented off of Roger Stone. So Cruz is trying to say that, right? But he can't say rat fuck, <laughs> right? He can't say that. that. That's just, you can't say that. So his actual quote was, um, And what is striking is Donald's henchman, Roger Stone, has for months been foreshadowing that this attack was coming. It's not surprising that Donald's tweet occurs the day before the attack comes out. And I would note that Mr. Stone is a man who has 50 years of dirty tricks behind him. He's a man for whom a a term was coined for copulating with a rodent. Well, let me be clear. Donald Trump may be a rat, but I have no desire to copulate with him. This campaign couldn't have gotten any sillier, could it? And of course, Trump's reaction is great. Trump's got the typical Trump reaction. He says, quote, about the National Enquirer story, I do not know about it and have not as yet read it. 
Likewise, I have nothing to do with the National Enquirer, and unlike lying Ted Cruz, I do not surround myself with political hacks and henchmen and then pretend total innocence. Ted Cruz's problem with the National Enquirer is his and his alone, and while they were right about O.J. Simpson, John Edwards, and many others, I certainly hope they're not right about lying Ted Cruz. I look forward to spending the week in Wisconsin winning the Republican nomination and ultimately the presidency in order to make America great again. (laughs) Now, there's a term for that. I can't remember what it's called. When you say a bad thing about someone by not saying it, he just pulled it off masterfully. Look, you know, I, uh, I inhaled. All right, folks, it's 420 here in... Scottsdale, Arizona, and in the Pacific Time Zone, but it's 420 wherever you are as well. Join me on doobie.co. I'll get I'll get uh, registered just as soon as my phone will download it. I got one of those wimpy phones that I can't have too many apps on it. <laughs> Stay tuned. We're back with more political talk after this. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And if standing for the Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud wacko bird. Okay, maybe you're high too. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Well, well, well. This what I get for open up my big mouth. I just downloaded Doobie. Someone is already using the Radical Russ username. You bastards. All right. 
I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to be Radical Russ. I, I, I can't be anything else. Who the hell out there stole my Radical Russ name? If you're on doobie.co, some of my listeners out there, you may have signed up. Uh, pass a doobie to this Radical Russ fella and ask who the hell are you and why are you stealing the Radical Russ name? Was that you, Stoner Jesus? Did you do that? <laughs> he was threatening that on the uh, in the chat room. Uh, and now I have to send him some sweet Nick Lachey money. I'll tell you what, Stoner Jesus, if you bought that, if you went and got the Radical Rest username, I will send you all the money that Nick Lachey paid me to support issue three. Every cent of it. It's yours, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Welcome back to the show. And here in hour two, we just like to kind of free flow and talk a little bit about the politics of the day. And the latest thing I want to talk about is legalization in the state of Vermont. Right now, the state of Vermont is working on passing a marijuana legalization bill through its legislature, and it's an interesting effect here that marijuana legalization by initiative is having. The smart politicians recognize the handwriting's on the wall. Marijuana legalization supports over 61% now in the AP poll. Okay, so we know this is, it's coming, right? So now what's happening is Governor Pete Shumlin there in Vermont is pushing the legislature to pass legalization because he thinks that by doing so, they can undercut how wide open an initiative-based legalization might be. We've become so successful at passing these marijuana legalization initiatives that the Vermont governor is afraid if, if the legislature doesn't act and pass something really limited then the people will act and pass something that's far more liberal. And so this comes up in a story from WWLP News uh, in Vermont, and it's the Vermont governor talking about Massachusetts. Now, Massachusetts has marijuana legalization working through as an initiative. The initiative would allow for pot shops, would allow for uh, uh, pot lounges. It would allow for home grow. It'd be pretty generous as far as its uh, uh, possession limits, about the same as the other legal states. And Governor Shumlin there in Vermont has said it's a bad pot bill. And he worries that, he says, if Vermont's legislature, now he's kind of like threatening them. He's like saying, if the Vermont legislature doesn't pass this legalization. Massachusetts will pass its legalization. And then Southern Vermont, which is you know right up there against Massachusetts, will have the effects of Massachusetts, quote, bad pot bill. Now, the bill that Governor Shumlin is pushing in Vermont is much narrower than what we see here in the currently legal states and the five states that are currently trying to legalize. The bill that cleared the Vermont Senate last month is something that he calls, quote, the most careful, deliberate attempt to regulate marijuana in America. One of the things he's proud of about this Vermont Senate bill is that it prohibits the sale of edible marijuana products. No edibles, no cookies, no gummy bears, no, no edibles which he says, quote, have caused so many problems in Colorado, end quote. Now, this is a bunch of scaremongering at its best. The problems that occurred with edibles in Colorado 
have largely been cured in Colorado. We don't hear a lot more of those stories anymore. They adjusted the dosages. They changed the labeling so people could know what they're getting. And they embarked in education campaigns to let people know that you got to start low and go slow. You can't just chow down on the marijuana cookies. And consider that the problem with edibles found in Colorado's first year of legalization had a lot to do with the fact of newbies, not Colorado residents who already knew what they were doing, but newbies coming into town who then can't smoke pot in their hotel, can't smoke pot in public, and have no pot lounge to go to. So unable to smoke, they turn to the edibles. And they don't have the experience with the edibles, and that's where we had the problems. So for Governor Shumlin to bring this up as if it's a reason for Vermont not to move forward with edibles is entirely short-sighted on his point. It's not as if not selling the edibles is going to mean there won't be edibles. It means people will buy their own marijuana, and then they will process, process it into edibles on their own, and there will be no regulation or control over it, no testing over it. Also, as a part of this bill, uh, it does not allow for home grow. It does not allow for smoking lounges. It does not allow for delivery services. And, of course, Massachusetts bill would allow people that are growing at home to be able to possess up to 10 ounces of marijuana at home. And he says it won't allow any of that. On his blog, Governor Shumlin writes, quote, if Massachusetts moves forward with their legalization bill while Vermont delays, the entire southern part of our state can end up with all the negatives of a bad pot bill and none of the positives of doing the right thing. He's clearly um, got a little bit of reefer madness going here, but, you know, hey, legalization by legislature. I can't be against it. You know my stance. Anything that ends the contraband nature of marijuana is something to be welcomed. My typical questions for a legalization initiative are, can I possess it? Can I buy it? Can I grow it? Does discrimination end? And the questions are in that order. Can I possess it is the number one thing. When that is possible, it ends three words that cops use to mess up people's lives. I smell marijuana. You get possession legalized, even a gram, and the smell of marijuana is no longer a probable cause. And ending that probable cause saves people's lives, saves people from prison, saves people from forfeiture. When something's legal, there's no reason to believe it's part of any sort of criminal activity, and that ends the asset forfeiture part that we all have to deal with. It gets rid of the drug dogs, the canines that sniff cannabis, because now you can't be, they can't be untrained to sniff cannabis. And even if they sniff other drugs, the fact that they still alert to cannabis makes them unusable in court because it, all a drug dealer has to do is keep a baggie of marijuana with his meth, and he can argue in court that the dog alerted to the legal substance, the marijuana, and get the case thrown out. So Governor Shumlin's not really thinking through this as far as the edibles, as far as the grow and so forth. But at least through legalization of possession, Vermont would join the rest of the states where people's lives can't be ruined over the smell of marijuana. Now, it would be nice if people were able to grow marijuana there. But I think what we're going to see 
and, and this is why I always advocate for just passing any legalization you can. Like Ohio should have passed their legalization. Vermont should pass this legalization. Get as many states as we can on that legal side of the ledger. These people who have this attitude of, well, you know, we can wait for something better to come along have frighteningly short memories and frighteningly little political experience to understand that in two years, the entire landscape could change. We could have a domestic terror attack. We could have uh, an outbreak. We could have a political scandal. We could have a a massive change of heart. We could have a a scandal coming out of Colorado or Washington that freaks everybody out about marijuana use. You never know what could happen. I say get as many states on that legal side of the ledger as possible before the next pendulum swing comes back. If this industry is big enough and established enough in enough places in the country, it will be impossible to overturn. But if you argue for states, especially a state like California, to wait, imagine the loss in California. Imagine if the Adult Use of Marijuana Act gets on the ballot and it loses, and the prohibitionists can say, look, the the momentum has stopped. The buyer's remorse has set in. People don't, even California recognizes that it's not time yet to legalize marijuana. Things can change really, really quickly in politics. So it's something we all need to keep fighting for. And even though this Vermont legalization isn't what I'd want to see in legalization, it's the beginning. And I think as more and more states legalize, as the industry becomes bigger and Vermont gets surrounded you know, by Massachusetts having legalization and Maine having legalization and eventually, you know, New York and other states, they'll all, they'll all start to legalize. And we'll start to see kind of a competition in tax rates and regulations. You know how these states compete with each other as far as the tax breaks they can, they can give to lure companies in? Happens all the time, right? We'll start to see similar deals. We'll start to see legislatures as we get to the 20th, 25th legal state and so forth, having to compete with each other for businesses and for distribution and for how they treat their cannabis citizens. You know, it's already happening between Washington and Oregon. The legalization of marijuana in Oregon caused a huge reaction in Washington state. Washington state in the meantime continued to sell up to an ounce to people and edibles and tinctures that people in Oregon couldn't buy. They could only buy seven grams of flour. That law in Washington caused a change in Oregon where now the legislature has taken up, Hey, let's let them sell edibles and let's let them sell tinctures as well. So everybody doesn't just drive over to Washington to get their products. Let's keep those tax dollars here in Oregon. That sort of cross-border competition, as it starts to light up between Washington to Oregon, Oregon to California, California to Nevada, Nevada to Arizona, just that five-state region there having to compete with each other as far as what their their legislative penalties, their regulations. One state will have a $50,000 fee to get a license. The other one will drop theirs to $40,000 to try to bring in some of those entrepreneurs and make some of that money. And then the other state might have to react and lower their fees. There will, be a whole, there will be a competition, a, a capitalistic competition between states. And especially so long as the federal prohibition remains and these companies can't 
be located in multiple states. They can't do interstate transaction. They have to set up separate entities in each state. That's further going to cause this competition between states because your business can only get as big as your particular state will let it get. That's going to cause these legislators to say, oh, wait a minute, you know, we're losing all these growers to the state that allows them to have 50,000 foot grows. Let's let's allow our state to have 75,000 square foot grows or whatever it might be. So that's why I don't get too concerned about like what is the particular bad piece of language in any particular legalization at such an infancy stage of legalization. This will all come out in the wash. In 10 years, this won't even be a consideration. Marijuana will be pretty much the same in every legal state. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back with more after this break. And don't forget, Stoner Jesus coming up at the top of the hour. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. I hope everybody's got their vape pen handy or their pipe or their bong or whatever you use to do your medicine. Well, you don't, it's not a requirement. You don't have to be high for this show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're talking to. You have to be high to do anything. At least I do. I don't know about you. In fact, I've been high so long that being straight is another high. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 38 after the hour, just finishing up my email to the CEO of Doobie. I'm telling you, folks, I'm serious. I want my Radical Russ username, damn it. You know how long it took me to get the Radical Russ username on Instagram? Some kid had Radical Russ on Instagram, posted like three pictures, and never posted anything ever again. 
And I had to wait for that account to finally die before I could uh, get Radical Russ on Instagram. And I will be damned if I'm going to be real Radical Russ or the Radical Russ or anything like that on Doobie. I want my Radical Russ. It's trademarked, damn it. Don't make me take him to court. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not taking anybody to court. Like, I can afford that shit. Come on. I'm <laughs> just teasing. But uh, I hope the, uh, hope the CEO uh, hears my plight and uh, will get me that Radical Russ account. I mean, really. I am literally Radical Russ on everything else. Uh, in fact, my business cards now, I have all the icons from the social media apps, and I might have to modify them because now I'm going to be on Doobie. <laughs> but... Uh, I hope I'm on Doobie anyway, but, uh, yeah, it's radical rest everywhere. It's part of my trade. And so, um, I really hope I can get that taken care of. All right, let's get back to some stories here on marijuana and, uh, a couple of international stories that I want to finish up the day with, because we are looking forward to in just like three weeks or so, the 420 holiday happens on a Wednesday, but it, uh, is also when the United Nations will be meeting in a General Assembly special session in New York to discuss the global drug policies. And the last time they got together for something like this was 1998, and it was all about creating a drug-free world. (laughs) Seriously, they thought they could do that. It would be a drug-free world. But uh, they're getting together again 18 years later, and the tone has changed considerably. On top of this, now this is happening April 19th through the 21st. So it's right around the 420 holiday and not on purpose. Uh, They don't schedule things that way, but it just worked out for us that way, right? So anyway, 420 holiday, it's going to happen. And the United Nations discussing the worldwide global drug policies. And there has been a report now issued by The Lancet, which is one of the leading medical journals out of the UK and they're urging the United Nations to rethink drug policy and end cannabis prohibition. So leading into the, the general assembly special session to have this organization to have the Lancet come out and say, this is huge people. They say, quote, we believe that the weight of evidence for the health and other harms of criminal markets and other consequences of prohibition is likely to lead more countries and more U.S. states to move gradually towards regulated drug markets, a decision we endorse, end quote. Now, it's not just The Lancet. It's also Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. And they were asking experts in drug policy and public health to review the global evidence on current drug policies. They timed it specifically with the hope that it would enrich discussions at the time of the UN General Assembly special session on the world drug problem. They also say the war on drugs and zero tolerance policies that grew out of the prohibitionist consensus are now being challenged on multiple fronts, including their health, human rights and development impact. The idea that all drug use is dangerous and evil has led to enforcement-heavy policies and has made it difficult to see potentially dangerous drugs in the same light as potentially dangerous foods, tobacco, and alcohol, for which the goal of social policy is to reduce potential harms, end quote. They also note the mass incarceration problem, saying... Uh, And, of course, the violence in Latin America by saying in Mexico, the striking increase in homicides since the government decided to use military force against drug traffickers in 2006 has been so great that it reduced life expectancy in the country, end quote. 
The drug war violence in Mexico is so bad since 2006, life expectancy in Mexico as a whole dropped. They conclude by saying, there is an urgent need to bring the best of non-ideologically driven health science, social science, and policy analysis to the study of drugs and the potential for policy reform, end quote. Now, of course, the UN doesn't actually have drug laws, but the member nations of the UN are signed to treaties that have been brokered at the UN. So we're talking the 1961 single convention treaty, the 1971 follow-up and so forth. There's these various drug treaties that we're all a part of. And this general session is going to discuss that and how we might modify these treaties because the treaties say that no country can allow for the production of cannabis outside of a very specially limited area of production. Specifically, they say that countries that produce cannabis have to have it at a government-controlled facility, and we have that in the United States. It's the, uh, it's the pot farm at the University of Mississippi. So since we've got that, we've got our one pot farm, the fact that there are hundreds or thousands of pot farms in Washington, Colorado, Oregon, and Alaska that are being allowed to cultivate cannabis is a major problem with those treaties. And it's got these Latin American countries like Mexico that have seen so much death and devastation asking why they need to keep taking the brunt of prohibition, why they need to keep fighting the bloody drug war and suffering all the death and devastation when it's legal in the places where that marijuana is headed. Well, it's not so much headed to those states anymore. It's headed still to Texas and Missouri and such. But you know what I'm trying to say. The international community is rapidly coming to the consensus that marijuana prohibition and drug prohibition in general just doesn't work. Anybody can look at the results in Portugal where we've got complete decriminalization of personal amounts of drugs. If you, if just for your personal use, there is no crime in that. And what they found is a decrease in their injection drug use, a decrease in the spread of HIV, AIDS, and hep C, no greater increase in drug use. There was a slight spike at the very beginning, but rapid decrease after that. And Portugal has lower drug use rates than nearby Spain, nearby other countries. Now, the decriminalization in Portugal doesn't go far enough, just like the coffee shops in Amsterdam go, don't go far enough because they don't solve the problem of the supply. They solve the problem on the demand side. People who have a demand for drugs, we're not going to bust them but they don't solve the supply side. People who supply the drugs, people who cultivate and process the drugs and sell the drugs, those people still have criminal penalties. And as long as we have any sort of criminal penalties associated with a supply and demand market, we are going to see the negative effects of prohibition at one level or the other. It's time for these member nations to start to recognize the full scope of the issue, that it's a supply and demand issue, and that keeping 
the supply side in the hands of criminal markets is most of the harm of the drugs themselves. Yes, it's great. Like in Portugal, we see the reduction in the personal harms of drugs, the, the addiction rates and the, and the infection rates from HIV and hep C and so forth. That, th- those are great on a personal level on the demand side, but on a societal level on the supply side, so long as you have this market supplying these people who now have less fear of being a part of that market because they are decriminalized, that just means those criminals continue to use those profits and continue to not pay taxes and continue to not benefit society or be subject to any regulations, inspections, licensing, or punishment if they violate any of those precepts. What we are doing in Washington, Oregon, Alaska, and Colorado is where the world needs to go. The free market, a free but regulated market, is what is going to move this problem out of a criminal prohibition problem and into the harm reduction arena that the world bodies and the Lancet report are now saying we need to go. Now, I'm not a complete devotee of the invisible hand of the market. I think there are some problems in corporatization and some problems in, in uh, uh, Walmartization, if you will. But looking at the other attempts out there so far, it seems to be the best way to go. We reported this week on Uruguay, which legalized in 2013, but legalized it only through government supply and government retail. And to date, nobody has gotten any marijuana through the government retail. The only people getting marijuana in Uruguay are the few that, like 600, I think it was, that are collectively cultivating or cultivating for themselves. The government just isn't moving forward with it. The government's not designed to move forward with this. I I have a pretty black and white philosophy when it comes to the role of government and the role of capitalism. I think any sort of supply and demand market out there where the demand is voluntary is something that is best handled by capitalism with as little regulation as necessary. So you want to sell food, milk, cars, clothes, you know, movies, whatever, something that I don't have to buy. It's all discretionary spending. Then let capitalism run free. Go for it. Where I have a problem with capitalism is when it is not a discretionary market, healthcare, education, police, Fire, interstate roads, space travel, exploration, scientific uh, inquiry, big projects that don't necessarily work well with a profit and loss motive, like scientific exploration, you know, NASA and such doesn't really have a good cost benefit until you look long term. You know, the benefits from the science of space exploration have benefited us so much in miniature. I mean, the cell phone, for example, wouldn't exist without space technology. But quarter by quarter, it's hard for corporate types to see that. And the other place where I don't think capitalism works so well is when it's a market where the supply and demand metric works to cause misery or works to benefit off of misery. That's why I don't like the capitalist market in healthcare, because the way to make profit is to have to issue more healthcare. 
how do you issue more health care if more people are sick and disabled? So there's a, a perverse incentive in capitalizing health care to create more sick and disabled people to purchase your health care. Same thing with the private prison industry. The perverse incentive to create more criminals to make sure you fill your prison beds. Those are some areas where I think capitalism needs to be limited and it needs to be more, shall I say, socialist. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, shut down the show here and get things ready for Stoner Jesus, who's joining you live at the top of the hour from Stoner Heaven. And don't forget, it's the uh, Goldstein Liberty Bowl tonight at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. Check out hashtag Goldstein Liberty Bowl or my Facebook page for more info. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. (laughs) (laughs) Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. (laughs) This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 54 after the hour. And following up on the uh, Bernie Sanders appearance at the Moda Center in Portland, Oregon today, apparently something really amazing happened. And uh, I have to preface this by playing you a little clip from the show Portlandia. You know Portlandia, the uh, show that... It's not too much satire, really. <laughs> if, you've, if you've ever been to Portland, Oregon, uh, you'll find that the uh, the satire is very close to the reality in Portland. So there was a, a famous sketch 
in uh, in Portlandia about it was called put a bird on it, and I don't exactly know what that means, but here's the Portlandia sketch. Hi, I'm Bryce Shivers. Hi, I'm Lisa Eversman. And, and we, we put, put birds, birds on, on things. things. Today we're going to go to a store on Mississippi Avenue. Nothing has birds on it, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to put birds on things. Spruce it up. Make it pretty. Thank you. Put, put a, a bird, bird on it. it. Putting a bird on this teapot. It's a bird. I bet it's flying all over the beach. What a sad little tote bag. I know. I'll put a bird on it. Did you see this bag before? I didn't. Now there's a bird. <laughs> it's flying. It's free. <laughs> We put this bird right on this card. It's so pretty. You like that, ma'am? Fantastic. Putting a bird on toast. Put, put a, a bird, bird on it. it! Look at this. I just sold this bird right onto the pillow. Oh, you missed this bird. What are you doing? Watch your fingernails. What about the bird? What am I bleeding? Ma'am, am I bleeding? No, you're fine. So that's the uh, put a bird on it sketch from Portlandia. Well, Bernie spoke at the Moda Center, and while he was speaking there today... A bird actually landed on his podium. Here's a clip from the uh, the event featured by the Oregonian. That if he or she does their schoolwork seriously, does well, takes school. What? People are pointing out the bird. Now, you see, this little bird doesn't know it. And he lands on the podium. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Right in front of Bernie on the the future to believe believe in placard. Right next to his water bottle, a little brown bird. Amazing. I think, I think there may be some symbolism here. I know it doesn't look like it, but that bird is really a dove asking us for world peace. No more wars. So that's pretty amazing. Bernie Sanders today at the Moda Center. They actually put a bird on it. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona, it's been a great week, great time here in the sun. Look forward to talking to you from Las Vegas next week. Thanks for joining us. I'm Radical Russ. Stoner Jesus is live next. Stick around. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.